Hey everybody, welcome back to Free Indeed. I'm your host JD, and today we have a special guest on the show for you. His name is Tom Henderson. Uh, he's a firm believer in the Lord, and today he has a message he wants to share with us about identity. And if you know anything about me and this show, uh, that's one of the heavy foundations that I, I approach life from is just who I am in the Lord. Uh, one of my things that it's uh, close to my heart. And so I'm excited for his message today. And Tom, go ahead and say hello to the folks out there. Howdy, folks. <laughs> my name is Tom Henderson, as JD said. And uh, I'm excited to be here on the program today. Amen. All right, Tom. Well, let's let's go ahead and open up in a quick word of prayer, actually, if that's okay. Absolutely. All right. You want to you pray? Sure, I can do that. Go ahead. Abba, thank you so much for today, for the opportunity to share the your word, the truth with my brothers and sisters out there, folks that I have never had the privilege to meet as of yet, but I thank you that if they know you as I know you, we get to spend forever together. And Father, I just ask that you open hearts open their spirits to receive the revelation of who you created all of us to be. Your children. Your kids. That's what Abba means. That you are our Father. And I thank you that because we know you, we have received that spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. In your name, Lord, we pray. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Well, thanks, Tom. Thanks for opening up in prayer. And let's let's go ahead and dive right into the subject. What um, what is the first thing that you would like to go ahead and start off with about our identity in the Lord? Well, uh, as I was uh, listening to Holy Spirit on how to how to proceed, you want know, to tell my story? Sure. Uh, now I've grown up in church since I was ten years old. And so I'm 46 now, so 36 years of my life, I have, uh, I've been a follower of Jesus and raised up in church and I learned the do's and the don'ts, the, I've learned the church culture that I grew up in and everything was great, but there was so much about my experience that I still, I didn't know who I was. Most of my life, I, I grew up without a dad, so I, I never had a earthly father to look up to. And that's, that was important because a young boy is supposed to be able to follow his father's example to become a man. And you know, that's why so many young people don't know who they are because maybe they have an absent father or they got a father that he never learned who he was. And so they get the wrong examples. So I didn't have any example. And because of that, I was always insecure. I, I really had an orphan spirit on me. And then one day in... 2019, I felt, and I haven't felt this many, many, many times in my life, 
But this particular day, I felt like God was wanting to talk to me directly and to tell me something. And then the, the, the funny thing about it is I felt that leading that he was telling me to go to Denny's which is a great breakfast restaurant, but that's not normally someplace that I go to commune with the Lord. And so, but I did, I went to Denny's. I had my notebook and my Bible and there was just, just such a, a passionate yearning and a, and a holy reverence that as I sat there in that booth, that I, I knew that God was wanting to tell me something. And so I just started listening. And I heard the Holy Spirit start asking me questions about, who are you? I'm like, God, you know who I am. <laughs> and, you know, I was thinking that, was like, well, that's a silly question. But uh, he started asking me that question, who am I? So me being the... Uh, I guess maybe the little brother mentality that I've always had because I, I come from a family of four older sisters and I'm the only boy and the youngest. So I'm like, I thought I was going to give a smart answer. Well, I'm just going to look at, look it up in Google on my phone. And so I just Googled, what does the Bible say about who I am or, or my identity actually is what I, what I typed in. Mm-hmm. And the first thing that came up was a, a uh, website that uh, listed 99 scriptures. And so I just started going through them one by one. And God started opening my eyes. And I'm like, I'm just, it was, it was amazing. And so over the next few days, as I would read through those scriptures, I would actually turn them around into confessions because it's important that when God tells you something in Scripture, you agree with it because it's the truth. Mm-hmm. And so, so I would read Scripture, and I, then I would just turn around and say, Well, Father, I thank you that this is what you're saying about me. This is who I am. And over the course of just three or four days, my mindset started changing. It, I started renewing my mind to agreeing with what God says about who I am. And this was actually, this was before that movie came out by the Kendrick Brothers, uh, Courageous, uh, and uh, where the little girl uh, goes into her, her teacher and says, ask me who I am. And he's like, all right. Well, who are you? And she started giving off these scriptures. So it's like, it was like a year before that film had come out, I think. And uh, and so I had a, a real life um, experience like what that girl did in that movie. And it's changed my life. Wow. Uh, and so the insecurities that I used to have, I don't have them anymore. And... Um, and I owe it all to my Abba. You know, in fact, I, I I didn't call him Abba before that happened, even though I had you know called him Lord all my life, my Savior. I never called him Abba. 
Now I, I would call him father, but it didn't have the same. It didn't have the same connotation with me because, you know, I knew he was God, and and you know I I would reverence him, but I didn't have the. I didn't have the revelation to know that he was really the father that I thought I never had. When that, that during that time, when 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 he started changing my identity or causing me to be able to see my real identity, it caused me to be able to see his real identity too. That he was my father, and even though I've never had an earthly father. And I thought I had missed out. The truth is that I've always had the best father of them all. And so in showing me who he called me to be, it's caused me to be able to see him clearly. And, I, you know, I hope every person gets that opportunity because the truth of the matter is that's all our fathers ever wanted from us was to be his kids and to be in fellowship with them. That's why he sent Jesus. Amen. So that's in a nutshell, that that's kind of my story and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> and, uh, but, uh, how, how, how do you want to lead this thing? JD, Oh, that's good, Tom. I, I appreciate the uh, <clears throat> the introduction there and letting us know the the backstory to this uh, episode. And you know, it, we we say this is an episode, but really, it, with contained within this episode is like Tom said, the true heart desire of our heavenly Father is to know Him, to know who we are in Him, and to know that. We can do the things he said we can do. We are who he says we are. And part of really living the Christian life is learning how to let go of your old one. And even if you're out there listening and like like me and Tom, I was raised in church too. Uh, but, you know, we all have phases of our life. And um, some of us were raised in church or maybe saved at an early age. And, and there's things in the past that you just got to let go of and not identify with past mistakes, past sins, uh, whatever, whatever you used to do or call yourself or whatever, um, because your, your life in Christ is, is new. And it doesn't just mean chronologically. It means the quality, the value, the type of life that we have in Christ is new. It's different. And you can live from that life. Now, there's a million and one things that will try to counteract that in this life, in this worldly experience we have. Mainly other people are going to be there to uh, wear you down, uh, maybe treat you less than. And it's getting, there's all these obstacles that the enemy uses, and he uses people too, to, to try to get you to change how you see yourself through someone else's eyes. And, and you know, most of us don't re- recognize that the way other people view us and treat us, if it's less than what the word says, or if you're viewing yourself or treating yourself less than what the word says, um, that's a cracked lens. And I would ask you to 
you know, change it out for the lens of the gospel. Like Tom said, agree with what the word says, because that's the truth. And, you know, we live in a time and age, Tom, and you're you're aware of this, where everybody wants their own truth. Well, that's where truth would become subjective, because there's one truth in Jesus Christ. And if you have everybody and their cousins out there, everybody's got their own different versions of truth. Well, you can't have two opposing truths and both of them be true at the same time. <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> it's called a paradox, folks. And um, yeah, the awesome thing about the gospel is there's no paradoxes. You know, you'll hear in churches I heard growing up all the time, oh, we're all just sinners saved by grace, or well, after all, I'm just a sinner. And <laughs> the thing is, is I understand the sentiment. I understand as Christians, you can still sin. You can still commit a sin, but you are you are a saint who maybe happens to sin sometimes. Um, you'll never hear anything post-cross, any of the disciples' writings, calling fellow brethren sinners again. They always address them as brethren. And uh, yeah. I guess if you want to maybe add something to that, Tom, go ahead. Well, you know, in, uh, in, uh, a moment ago, you mentioned, you mentioned the word Christian. You know, that, that we are Christians. And, of course, I've always accepted that. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, I mean, every person that is supposed to be, you know, that has Jesus as their Savior, that's what they're called, Christians. It was sometime after the Lord started showing me my identity that one day he just reminded me uh, that where the Scripture says that it was at Antioch where we first were, were called Christians. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't by fellow believers, it was actually by the pagans there. Hmm. And so the Lord showed me, and, and of course, I always leave room, if if you know of a place that where this, uh, where it shows separate, or shows different, please show me. I, I'm, my life, I, I've designed, I've lived my life to be teachable at all times. So I never hmm. think that I know it all. I just live for the one who knows it all. That's good. <laughs> and, absolutely, and uh, and that that keeps me out of pride and things like that. And um, so, but anyways, so that word Christian, we uh, we were called Christians first at Antioch, and it was by non-believers. It was by the pagans and. Uh, yeah, I think uh, there was uh, some translation that even said they were like um, uh, barbarians or something. Uh, but I, I, I'm not 100% on that part. But anyways, so then I, the questioner came to me, of course, through this is like, well, why do we call ourselves Christians? Because that word literally means like little Christ. All right. So the unbelievers that were calling us Christians was using that as a mocking term. It was not a term of reference. It was a term of, of debasement. And in fact, uh, uh, that word was as vile and as an, as, as strong as an insult as what we would think the N word is now when we're referring to a black person. It's not, uh, it's not a compliment at all. And so, and then the, on the flip side of that, you, when you look in scripture, 
What has God called us? He's called us His own. In the New Covenant, since Christ died and rose again, He's called us His children. If you're a believer, if you've received what Jesus did on the cross, the, the work for the remission of sin, then we are His children. We are his sons and his daughters. And so that's, you know, so when somebody asks me now, you know, not, uh, and actually I tried to actually kind of avoid this because if you got to tell somebody that you are, uh, that, that you are a child of God, then you're doing something wrong. Mm -hmm. Got to be, it ought to be uh, clear to see just in the way we live. Right. You know, I, I, I live a life that's designed from above. And, or at least I'm trying to, you know, like you said, we're able to make mistakes and, and fall. But, you know, just because I spend the night in the garage doesn't make me a car. So... <laughs> Yeah, I heard a preacher say that uh, 20 years ago, and it stuck with me. And it's like, so just because I may slip up and, and sin doesn't make me a sinner. Right. That's not my identity. Right. I, I am a child of God. I am one of his sons. And so, uh, so anyways, I want to, yeah, I just wanted to add that, that, I, I don't even call myself a Christian because that is not the identity my father gave me. I am one of his sons. That's what Adam was in the garden before the fall. He was one, he he was the first of well, in, in speaking of the human uh, human example, Adam was the first uh, the first man. Mm -hmm. All right, and so he had that intimacy with God, but Adam chose to rebel against that and and accept the lie as truth, and that actually separated him from God. Mm -hmm. You know, and uh, but uh, if we are believers then we walk as followers of the way. And the way is Yeshua. It, it is Jesus. And so we follow him because we are like him. Amen. <clears throat> yeah, that's good so stuff. That, good oh stuff, yeah. Tom. There, there are so many ways that we that, that, that more stuff that could be added in there, but I don't want to. Uh, I'll let you. I'll, I'll let you decide the rabbit trails we chase. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. Um, yeah, you know I appreciate what you said. It's it's good stuff, and you know I like that that example that you could spend a night in a garage, but it doesn't make you a car. And, you know, because for years I heard the opposite of people that you know uh, would use it as a uh, as a way to like. Uh, 
remind people that just because you go to church doesn't make you a Christian. They would say, well, just because you walk in the garage doesn't make you a car. Well, the opposite is true as well. There's always that opposite. You know, just just because a Christian who has professed faith in Christ, you catch them in something. We all, you know, in the church, we always take the opposite approach than what the biblical prescription is for when you catch a brother or sister, uh, let alone sinning, but overtaken in a sin. It says in uh, Galatians 6 to restore somebody like that in a spirit of love and gentleness and considering yourself, lest you fall into the same thing. And... You know, so many times we look at uh, people's behavior as a measuring stick. Now, I, I know the verse, and I've covered it before here. I know we know them by the fruits that they bear. But you can have, and I used this example the last time, I believe, you can have an apple tree and have mixed fruit. You can have good fruit. You can have an apple that maybe got a worm in it. You could have an apple that maybe shriveled up because it was facing the sun most of the day or, you know, whatever. You could have uh, an apple that got rotten and fell off. Well, does that make that not an apple tree? No, it just means that some of the fruit isn't quite there yet. And, um, you know, now if it's a complete lifestyle and someone isn't professing Christ, well, then, of course, you know, it's a no-brainer. But um, we're so quick to judge. We're so quick to judge others. And uh, you can judge the fruit. I heard this saying before, you can you can judge somebody's fruit, but you can't judge the heart behind the actions. Um, and so I thought it was pretty good, just a lesson in remembering that um, just like in the natural, if somebody has a kid and maybe typically they're a pretty good kid, but maybe at school one day they do something a little out of character, maybe out of peer pressure, they join the other group of bullies to bully the one kid that's a little more easy to pick on than them. Well... And then the parent gets called into the principal's office. Does that parent say, oh, that's not my kid. I don't know them. Nope. Never seen them. No, they're not. Any good parent's not going to just outright deny their kid, you know. Uh, then they'll say junior or juniorette, you know, that wasn't good. That wasn't right. We need to not do that. But you don't deny their reality or their existence over a bad choice. You correct them because you love them and you want them to be better, not not because you're ready to burn the bridge or whatever. And uh, I think a lot of the damages uh, we grew up in and just the typical kind of preaching that you would hear back in the day was it was always so do or die. It was always such like a gladiator type of, you know, belief system. Like if you don't do this one thing, you're you're not really a Christian or if you're found with any kind of sin, well, you're not going to inherit the kingdom of heaven. They'll just pull certain truths from different scriptures and kind of bundle it up in one big wad and just throw it out there without any like clear direction or concise boundaries of the message you're trying to really get across. And um, I I thank God for good Bible teachers, Bible schools, uh, places that are uh, well-equipped to teach about identity and and the clear defining lines of truth, uh, you know, and to something, a truth that still leaves the hearer with comfort and encouragement that's that's the best kind and that's what the gospel is it means good news so for anybody that's against feeling good about being a christian well i got bad news for you because it's meant to make you feel good so if you feel bad about feeling good maybe you should not feel good about feeling bad anymore so you can feel good (laughs) come on now wow so 
you know, Jesus, I'm sure, you know, there was correction, but he wasn't just constantly beating the disciples over the head. Like, Come on, you idiot. No, he, you know, he wasn't doing anything like that. He didn't cut anybody from the team. If you realize Judas and Peter almost did it, they cut themselves from the team, man. Jesus did not make that call. They chose. And right. Peter, Peter, you know, was restored. He hung around long enough for the Lord to come back to him and encourage him. Yes. Uh, Judas didn't. He he took himself out of the picture. He did that to himself. And yeah. so, uh, Jesus even even told him, "Friend, why have you come?" He called him friend when he knew what he was about to do. Yeah. So that shows Jesus was, and Jesus doesn't joke around and play games like that. He is the most sincere being ever. And you won't find him with any guile. So he wasn't just saying it for fluff's sake. He was he was really like, man, you're my friend. Why did you come to do this? You know. So that's. Yeah, uh, what that tells me is you say that even at that moment, up until Judas took his last breath, if he would have come back to Jesus and said, "Lord, forgive me." He would have done it right then. Amen. And and because a lot of people don't realize this, but when when Jesus rose on the third day, and he was talking to Mary in the garden, he said, "Go tell my disciples and Peter." And Peter. And Peter. He didn't even consider him a disciple because Peter <laughs> had denied him three times. Mm-hmm. And. He said, go tell my disciples and Peter to meet me. And over those next 40 days, they're, they're on, the, uh, on the seashore of Galilee. He, told, he said, Peter, do you love me? And of course, Peter said, yes, Lord. Of course I love you. Two times he said that. And, and Jesus said, then feed my sheep. And that third time, Peter, do you love me? And of course, Peter now being um, under conviction said, yes, Lord, of course I love you. Why do you keep asking me that? And Jesus said, feed my lambs. The reason why Jesus asked him that three times is because that was to reverse the curse that Peter had set on himself. Oh, that's good. He, he denied the Lord three times. And so the Lord, to reverse the work that the that, that Satan had started in him, he reversed it by having Jesus have, having Peter confirmed three times that he was going to commit his life to it. Wow. And a lot of people don't understand the the spiritual work that was done that day in in that fellowship. But that's exactly what it that's exactly what had happened. And it was it was all because the Lord is forgiving. Amen. You know, even even the very people that were trying to murder him on that cross that day, he said, Father, please forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. You know, that I don't know anybody 
that would that have, would have that kind of fortitude toward the very people that are beating you and whipping you and tearing your flesh off your body and humiliating you with with uh, complete nakedness. See, a lot of people don't realize that Jesus was completely naked on the cross. Religious uh, emblems and stuff always put that shawl around his private parts, but you know what? That's that, that's not what the Bible says. He was naked, and he was. He, I mean, they Satan wanted it to, to give him complete humiliation that 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 day. And he thought it was going to be the end. Boy, was he wrong. If he had, just like the scripture says, if he had known Mm -hmm. what he was doing, he never would have done it. Right. And so anyways, I think I started taking another rabbit trail. I was feeling that. So anyways. That's um, all right, man. Some of them rabbits are worth catching. (laughs) Come on now, yes. (laughs) There's some rabbit stew going on over here. Dude, I like that. <laughs> um, man, that's my own heart. <laughs> yeah, I like what you said, man. And, uh, you know, there's a message in that, too. I've heard ministers talk about, you know, the, whatever the greatest weapon the enemy has brought against you, even to the point of death, or you feel like it's the death of your career or the death of your public image or the death of your reputation or whatever, God can use the very thing that was meant to destroy you to remake you, to, to bring you back. And and you can make it past whatever that thing is that you thought was going to be the end of you. Yes. You know, you, you mentioned that word death. And most people, and I'm, I'm going to even say, even most people who call themselves Christians, are afraid of that word because it sounds so final. Yep. You know, with it, most people, even those who called themselves Christians, have not renewed their mind to understand that death is not final for us. We've already overcome death. I mean, yeah, is this physical flesh going to uh, going to die? Absolutely, and I'm so glad it is. <laughs> because this very physical body is the reason why, for the last 6,000 years, we couldn't be in the garden. Because God knew, he, and he said it, that in that fallen state, if Adam would have eaten of the tree of life, we would be stuck like this forever. Wow. Yeah, a lot of people don't know, think about this stuff, yeah. even because it's, it's, I don't know, it's become like an outlier of our religious thinking. Right. Which, okay, so I'm going to, I am going to take a rabbit trail here. Go and, for and it. <laughs> okay, so I, I, as far as why it was like this, the only thing that I, I currently understand is that this was the ploy of the enemy to try and to subvert the gospel, the good news. But somewhere along the way, after the early church in the first 
two or three hundred years. When and, and understand when I say this, I'm not talking about individuals. There, I mean, you know what? I have a lot of friends who are who call themselves Catholic, and they are my brothers and my sisters. They sincerely love the Lord, and I'm not speaking evil against them at all. No ill will intended or whatever. What I am talking about, though, is the um, the lie of religion. Okay, Scripture clearly says that. The, uh, and, and as far as what I have learned, and I've read the scriptures, I've read the Bible through many times. So it's not like I've never looked for the opportunity to find something that would go along with this to give more clear understanding. But the scripture says that there's only two things that a person can do that is pure religion, undefiled. Mm -hmm. Do you know what those two things are? The, the one I know is to keep yourself unspotted from the world and to take care of orphans and widows. Taking care of widows and orphans mm -hmm. is... The only two things. And the reason why that's pure and undefiled is because taking care of widows and orphans, they can't do anything to repay you. Yep. So when you take care of them, you're doing it sincerely out of love. Right. Now, there, there's a sincerity to it because you can't, um, you, you, you're not in, the, they're not in a place to repay you. Mm -hmm. All right. So, so they're, so they're, there's no point to have an ulterior motive. Right. Okay. So, everything else that is religious in principle, people actually have an ulterior motive. The bottom line of what this people is they're trying to earn their way to heaven. Mm -hmm. You know? And, uh, I'm not speaking ill of my mother, so I, I want to make that clear. I love her very much. I miss her every day. I haven't, I haven't seen her in 15 years. She's been, she's, she's been in heaven for 16. Hmm. All right. So, but when my mother rededicated her life back to the Lord. She stopped wearing makeup. She stopped wearing pants. That was something that in her young upbringing, she was taught that a Christian woman was supposed to do. Gotcha. So was she sincere about it? Absolutely. You know, and uh, but in her thinking, her religious thinking, she got the false belief that that was the only way she could please God was not wear makeup, not wear pants. And uh, in fact, she didn't even listen to any other kind of music except for uh, church music. Right. Hymns. Uh, I'm talking about the old hymns. This was even before the, you know, praise and worship and, and what we have today. Um, and so, but that was her mindset. And, she felt like if she had done any of that other stuff, that 
she wouldn't go to heaven. In, in fact, uh, that was such a strong religious mindset that for the first five years of my Christian life, I can't tell you how many times I went to the altar every time church doors was open to repent and get saved again. Yep. <laughs> oh, you, 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 you've been there. You know what I, what I mean. Yeah, I've heard those and, messages where it's like no matter how many times. Uh, real quick, yeah, I, I never, I, I didn't physically go down each time, but in, in my own private life, you know, my prayer closet as a kid, I, I, my rededicator got a full working out several times in my growing up. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, uh, and uh, I mean, it was it was as if okay, the 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 thought, the stronghold that developed in my religious thinking was that even though I'm a Christian, if I stepped outside the church and I slipped and I had said a cuss word, then I was going to hell. Yeah. That was an automatic revoking of my salvation. Now, I can't do that and have a trust that my salvation relies on the work that my Savior did. Right. <clears throat> and Scripture clearly says that it, you know, salvation is done by faith through grace alone. Alone. Amen. Alone. And so, if anything would have happened, it would have been that that would have kept me out of the kingdom because I wasn't putting my faith in the work of Christ. Right. And in fact, not, not uh, talking about the work of Christ, it's not just the work on the cross. But it's the work that was completed coming out of the tomb. Amen. That's the other part that our religious traditions fall short on. Because, you know what? If Jesus had died on the cross and never rose up out of the tomb, then it wouldn't have mattered what happened on the cross. So... Religious thinking falls way short. It's really, it's a substandard lie of the enemy to keep true believers from discovering who they really are. Amen. See, Satan tried to, I mean, when he, when he tempted Christ in the wilderness for 40, for 40 days, he tried to challenge his identity of himself. Right. Talk about that a little bit. Okay. All right. So there were three things. Well, well first of all, let me, let me go back. Once, once Yeshua was baptized of John in that big uh, miraculous uh, supernatural experience where the Holy Spirit floated down as a dove, not in the form of a dove, but as a dove, there was the manifestation of Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, 
And then there was the voice of our father saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So that goes against some religious tradition that say that it's only Jesus. There's, there's not three in one. Mm-hmm. Right. All right. And so from there, Jesus was led into the wilderness by Holy Spirit for the maturing of his faith and then also to reverse the work that was done through the first Adam. So, after 40 days, it says that Jesus was hungered. He's in the old uh, King James. He was hungry, of course, because <laughs> he hadn't eaten anything. Mm-hmm. And so Satan uh, tested him with, "Well, if you're hungry, well, if you're if you're the Lord, if you're the Savior of the world, if you are the Son of God, just turn these stones into bread and eat." And Jesus, Yeshua. Being the last Adam, not the next Adam, not the second Adam, but the last Adam, Mm -hmm. knowing who he was, he said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So Satan was trying to be smooth and say, well, you're the son of God. Turn the stones to bread and eat. But Jesus, knowing who he was, is not going to listen to anything that's coming out of the mouth of the enemy. Right. Secondly, he came back and tested the Lord again. And he, and he, and he said that... Uh, Jesus said, it is written, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And then thirdly, finally, when Satan came back the third time, and he said, it's been given to me. And by the way, at this point, Satan wasn't lying. He said, it has been given to me to give all the kingdoms of the world to whoever I want to. Mm-hmm. And that he was telling the truth there because Adam had given that lease that God gave him, Adam had given it to Satan when he when when he rebelled against God. So that's what made Satan the God of this world. See, when we think of the word God, we think of it as as the God or the creator, the all-powerful, the all-knowing. But no, that's not just what that word means. We've ascribed it to God, or the Buddhists have described it to, I guess, Buddha, or the um, Muslims have described it to Allah and everything. But it's really, it just means the overseer of this earth. If you really want to know the truth about it, 
when God made Adam in the garden, God made Adam the God of this world. Hmm. And that, that's not saying that it, that Adam was greater than than uh, than Yahweh, right? It was it, it was a it was an assignment of position, not right. of being. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, but anyways, so when uh, when Jesus said, "Get thee behind me, Satan," that uh, 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 going back to the wilderness. I'm sorry. Excuse me. Uh, when uh, when Jesus rebuked Satan that third time, it said that Satan left to come and to uh, tempt him at another time. What Jesus was doing, all three of those times of temptation, was um, he was taking authority because of his identity. He mm-hmm. could. And he was showing and proving to Satan that he knows who he is. And Satan realizing that he's not going to be able to tempt him the way uh, that he did the first Adam. And that, that that's why he left. And, uh, and so in our modern lives today, the, the biggest thing that Satan is afraid of, and I, and I mean this sincerely, we, we think, uh, you know, in our religious thing, we don't, well, don't mess with the devil. You don't want to get him stirred up. And, you know, we act like that. We're supposed to be afraid of him. You know, like don't 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 tempt the devil to 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 uh, start messing with you or whatever. Uh-huh. So that that's religious thinking. That is um, that is really a, it's a form of slavery because in order to support that line of thinking, you have to deny who you are in Christ. And the point of the matter is that Christ has already given us victory. Amen. This is victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. And how do we get faith? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so we have to, in our language, we have to align ourselves with the truth, which is Yeshua himself. Mm-hmm. He is truth. And so, oh, there's so many different ways this this can go. <laughs> uh, trying to, I'm trying to stay calm. <laughs> but this is because this is this is the kind of stuff that uh, that brings breakthrough. Amen. Well, let's let's break on through. <laughs> amen. Oh, come on now! I got the amen corner going. Ooh, All someone right, get so. me a B three. Let's go. <laughs> so I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm looking at my list of those original 99 scriptures that God gave me to cause me to see my real identity you know in the first one even to this day my primary scripture reading I am still in the first two chapters of Genesis ever since 2019 so Genesis one twenty seven, it says that 
God said, let us make man in our own image. After our likeness, let us create him. So the first, the very first uh, confession of my faith that I wrote down is that I am the express image of God. Now, right off the bat, that is a huge and bold statement. And for someone who's adopted the, uh, I'm just an old sinner saved by grace, <laughs> that, that you're going to sound like a heretic. Mm-hmm. Could, no. I, uh, could I interject something really quick, Tom? Please go right ahead. Thank you. So, uh, thank you. I appreciate it. I'll, I'll keep it short. The, the One of the things I hate most about the, oh, I'm just an old weary sinner saved by grace, is first of all, we, it's you can prove it. It's a lie by scripture. Uh, it keeps you ignorant of who you really are in the Lord. And if you're yes. ignorant about who you really are, you're like a lion that doesn't know he's a lion. And you're going to act like a little house cat your whole life if you believe, oh, I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. Can't do better than this. Uh, you know, keep a steady pace. No. If you believe that you're just a old sinner saved by grace, you're, you are you are believing less than who you really are, you're going to do less than what you were called to do, and you're not going to go as far as you were called to go because you believed a lie, and it was more comfortable just to excuse whatever with that statement than to say, no, I am, Jesus said in 1 John four seventeen that as he is, so are we in this world. And just as God sent him, he oh. is sending us. And so that puts us on a level where we're supposed to not just look like Jesus. Oh, I was nice to that guy, even though he was a jerk. Come on, man. That's that's that is so not just that is not the entirety of that's not what that means. <laughs> yes, we're supposed to be gracious, but that's just that's just a given. We're supposed to be doing the works of Jesus, and we can't do the works of Jesus if we still think that we're this, you know, peasant having to grovel before the Lord because I'm just oh Lord, have mercy on me today. I'm a sinner. I need your help again today. You know, that, that kind of thinking will leave you defeated, depleted, and uh, mistakes will be repeated. So there you go. Yeah, and as, they, as, as the old saying used to go, you, you'll, you'll put up with being broke, busted, and disgusted. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, oh, man. I mean, and there's moments even in the Old Testament where... The, where the truth was was shown. I mean, you take all right. So the four hundred men that gathered with David was as at the at the, uh, the cave of Adullam. They they showed up. They were broke, busted, disgusted. It says that they were. Um, well, I mean, really, their their mindsets was that you know they they felt like that they were nobody. They were disheartened. And discontent and but those same 400 men after submitting themselves to, to David's leadership and hearing the word of God even though all these men they were still unsaved salvation hadn't come yet but they listened to the word of righteousness that came out of David because of all the time that David had spent with God in in the wilderness and taking care of the sheep, they became David's mighty men. Mm -hmm. And so, when you listen to the truth, that's what gives, I mean, 
But uh, scripture says that as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, folks in the financial realm, they, they, they think that such a great book that was written by uh, Napoleon Hill. And they don't even really think about, wait a minute, that came from the word of God. Mm-hmm. God said that. Yeah. And and it's available to every person, whether you're whether you are a follower of Jesus or not, that is a word of truth that's available to everyone. Mm-hmm. The scripture says that God reigns on the just and the unjust. Come on now. And so anybody that will accept that truth can change your life. Now, personally, I don't see how somebody could adopt that and then remain an unbeliever. But yet anybody can be can accept that and adopt that in their life and their life be changed by it. Right. And that goes yeah. back to, uh, like you were saying, you know, if you just believe, oh, I'm an old sinner saved by grace, enlighten us on, you know, if, if you will be the way that your dominant thought pattern goes, what does that spell for the person that believes that they're just a whole sinner saved by grace? Yes. So, <laughs> well, this, this is a good rabbit shell to, to, to chase. Hey, man, we're, we're hunting wabbit today, man. <laughs> I like that. Thank you. So, and I don't know where you want to to go from here, but I, I just want to say that, you know, through all this, I am so grateful that God removed the blinders from my spiritual eyes and allowed me to see who how he sees me. Amen. This is created me to be. And, and well, actually, I do, I, I do know where he's. Uh, thank you, Holy Spirit. I appreciate that. So, here we are. And I don't, I don't, I don't know who your listeners are, and I'm not trying to offend anybody. But whether we accept it or not, we are in the last days. Yep. We've been in the last days since Acts chapter two. <laughs> yep. And and I can prove that in scripture because uh, because uh, um, Peter said it that day. This is that that was prophesied by the prophet Joel that in the last days. I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and so forth and so on. So we've been in the last days since Acts chapter 2. That's good. Religion taught me not only was I just a weary, uh, not just an old sinner saved by grace, but I'm just a weary pilgrim plodding through this world of sin. And I'm just waiting for my escape. Mm-hmm. And and that you know we're having to put up with the uh, with with the attacks of the devil trying to destroy us. And but one day, someday yonder, I'll 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 have joy in my life. You know, it's a very bleak. Um, present age from that from that perspective but the truth of the matter is Jesus is not coming back for a church that's broke busted and disgusted Mm. he's not coming back for a 
disassembled body. Come on now. He's coming back for a church that has made herself ready. She is without spot or blemish. Mm. Now, it doesn't mean that that, that there's not going to be attacks. It doesn't mean that there's not going to be trials. It's not going. It doesn't mean that there's not going to be trouble in this present age. What it means is that it's a church that knows its identity and will and that fights to put things back the way it's supposed to be in the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. And yes, there's gonna there's gonna be moments where our faith is tested. Right. Scripture tells us that. But it doesn't mean that we have to fall and be destroyed under that weight. Because when you know who you are, you know what you can do, and you know what belongs to you. And that's where that's where Father is wanting to get us to right, right now is for as many as will receive the word of God and we start walking in our true identity that's just that's just preparing us to be to go home victorious amen and to take somebody with us actually yeah that's good Oh yeah, this is this is this is good preaching, even if I do. <laughs> Not because of me; it's 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 because of the truth. Amen. Yeah, it's true, man. I appreciate it. this. is good. I'm really I'm getting a lot out of this. I'm enjoying it, and I hope uh, our listeners are as well. And uh, if I know my my current crowd right now, uh, which I think I know them pretty good, I, I I know they're probably really enjoying this right now. So. Um, yeah, I, I appreciate it, and that's so true, man. You know, I don't know where I got it from. It was. Uh, like you talked about, I was wanting to touch on uh, the fact that we are going to have trials and problems in this world. Um, yeah. And I think it can be traumatic for the believer that buys into the thought that, oh, now that I'm a Christian, life is going to be easy for me. And I don't know where I got that from. I, it, it, You know, a lot of times we kind of have our uh, ideas and mindsets that are compiled of just hearing different things and so it's it creates a certain i guess pathway in our brains to think a certain way um and i think to be honest just telling myself a little bit i think i kind of believed that for a portion of my life thinking that if i'm a christian you know uh i'm supposed to have it easier uh there's all these promises of protection and blessing and so therefore Whenever I was not being blessed or when I was going through hard times and I was not having it easy, I think it. I think I went through a small bit of uh, faith trauma, if I could say it like that, where my, sure. faith, my faith was in a crisis because I was thinking, wait a minute, I knew who I was, I knew all the things that were available to me, yet my reality in this world did not reflect it in the way I was hoping at that time. And uh, yeah, I was wondering if you could speak to that a little bit, and, and maybe we could help out somebody out there that's in that place right now, and and how that could tie into our identity. Sure. Okay. So I think there's a there was a misinterpretation of of a word. T 
team, yes. Do we have it easy? Absolutely. There's no way we're going to lose. Because as long as we are following the way of the Lord, we know how this thing ends, which really there's no ending. But as far as time goes, we know how things are going to go. Amen. All right. Now, the Lord said, in this world, you will have trouble. But fear not, for I have overcome the world. Now, that's easy. But it's not without a challenge. He said what's going to happen in this world, because this world's fallen. And he gave the, he gave the remedy, which he is the remedy. Mm-hmm. Fear not, because I've already taken care of it. Amen. I've already given you the full supply, plus more, of whatever you need. You know? But let's say we did that every day, all of our life. But guess what? Even as you do that, fear not, because I've overcome the world. This body of flesh is still going to die. Yep. So it doesn't mean that there's there, there's something that's not working about what the Lord has told us. It means this is something that's supposed to happen. You know, that's why I don't understand followers of Jesus who, and, and I have to admit, uh, so I'm not... I'm not making light of anybody because I was in this way. When my mom left this world 16 years ago, it took me three years to get over the grief because I didn't know how. Yeah. I mean, I used to see my pastor, you know, back in the early 2000s, how they always talked about, you know, not making a big deal about death. And, and when, and in fact, when his father passed away my my pastor his name is pastor george he was actually in another country and because it was at the same time that 9-11 took place he um he couldn't get back here to to be with him before he before he he expired Hmm. yeah and you know in human circumstances that's a hard thing to do with that i mean that's his parent and and so it was a, it was what should have been a tough situation. Well, excuse me, let me rephrase that. It was a tough situation. Yeah. But it was a victorious situation because my pastor was grounded in the word of truth. That's good. He knew where his father went to. He wasn't gone. He just left. He he just got rid of the the old body, and he's with the Lord. So that's not final. He's going to see his dad again, whether whether for him as by the rapture or or whether it's you know when he lays down his old body, he's going to see his mom and dad again. Mm-hmm. And so now, the Lord gave me the Lord gave me two experiences in that first three years. Um, with with my mom, mm-hmm. 
said that when she when she had uh, went to heaven. So that first year, she it, it was on January nineteenth, nineteen ninety seven, um, when she left this world. And for that first year, every night, I was having nightmares. Mm-hmm. I would see my mom in my dreams, and I would try to get to her, and I never could get to her. Oh. If I got to where she was at, all of a sudden she'd be gone. And it was torment and torture. And, and I, I mean, it was serious grief. I didn't, I didn't know, back then I didn't know if I was going to make it. Wow. Um, yeah, it was it was extreme. That's the worst situation I ever had uh, gone through. Man. And, but on Christmas Eve night, I was at my in-laws. I just uh, walked into the guest bedroom where my wife and her brother, they were playing a video game. And... I just laid down on the bed. I was just kind of reclined. I was watching them play, and all of a sudden, I was out of the I was out of the bedroom, hmm. and I was floating up. All I could see was was blue sky around me, and then right in front of me was this huge, most beautiful ivory tower you could ever imagine. And I was going up, and I was I just softly just landed on a. Uh, um, on a platform and I walked inside the building and it was like walking into the, the lobby of the most grand hotel you could ever imagine. Wow. Yeah. I was like, I was like, this is amazing. And out from around the corner walks my mother, but she didn't look like she looked when she passed away. Hmm. She looked like she did when she was 30. She had her, her hair was long and straight like it was back then and parted down the middle. She was wearing a white gown. And as soon as I saw her, I'm like, Mom, I've been wanting to talk to you. And she simply said, good, you need to talk. And your sisters need you to talk. Hmm. And, and snap, just like that, all of a sudden, I'm back in the bedroom. I didn't remember anything of, of what just happened. But I'm like, oh, I kind of use the restroom. So I get up and I start walking down the hall. And then all of a sudden, it's like my mind caught up with what just happened in my spirit. And I froze. I'm like, oh my God. I just saw and talked to my mom. And that's how God began to take me through the process of healing. And and it dawned on me at some point in that year, I don't remember exactly when, and I don't remember if I heard it from somebody or if it was just like my own mind putting two and two together. But I'm like, God, I know that I can't talk to my mom because she's with you. You know, the scripture specifically says don't you don't commune with the dead and all that kind of stuff. So I'm like, I wouldn't right. even go that. Mm-hmm. But I 
said, but mom's with you. And I can talk to you. And you can talk to her. So would you just give her the message, let her know that I love her, I miss her, and I look forward to seeing her again someday. And I, you know, I felt peace in my spirit that that was all right. Sure. And I just trusted that God would. And so I did that most every day for those first three years. And then one day after I had moved back to Fort Worth, I was on my way to work one morning. I was listening to my praise and worship music and just loving on the Lord. And Holy Spirit just spoke up real loudly in me. And he said, son, do you remember all the times that you've asked me to give your mom a message? And I'm like, it just really surprised me to speak. It's like so loud and so clearly. And I said, yes, sir, of course. And he said, well, I just want you to know every time that you've asked me to give her a message, I did it. Wow. And oh my goodness, that just all the uh, the sadness and the grief that I experienced those three years, all of a sudden it just broke. I had to pull over because the waterworks turned on heavy. <laughs> and uh, I'm like, you know, he didn't have to do that. Right. I trust that he was doing it. But he took the time to let me know he did it. And that showed me so much love. Mm -hmm. You know, and even that, even even though I didn't realize it at that time, that was also a part of the whole identity uh, revelation that, you know, he did that because he's my father and I'm his son. Mm -hmm. And he wanted me to know that it was all okay. And mm-hmm. so no matter no matter all no matter what junk looks like here on this world it's already all okay. Amen. We just each have to decide whether we're going to be a part of the okay or we're going to be a part of of uh, letting Satan have his way and, and wreak havoc in, in people's lives. Right. And so I, I don't think I fully addressed what you asked me to, to speak to, and I apologize. No, that's okay. <laughs> um, what, was the, what was it that you wanted me to speak on, speak to? No, it was good. I think you did in, in, in a way because, uh, you know, as a child of God, we have that access to talk to him and speak to him. And really, I think you did in your own way with your story. It, it did. You know, because uh, if you if you had just the old mentality of you were just old sinner saved by grace, you wouldn't have had the confidence to ask God to give your mom a message. You would have said, "Oh, he's too busy and too important. He's got a, a world to run. You know, he won't he won't relay a message. I'm just old sinner. Why would he care about what I have to say to a departed loved one?" So you you answered that and uh, about his love to to give you another message and let you know he related like that. Um, you know, that was a, that was a tender, you know, father, son moment of speaking to you. So I I think you answered it pretty good with that story. And, uh, I think we reached a good, uh, a good conclusion at this point. What do you think? Well, yeah, it's definitely a good conclusion. There is one final thing that I do want to say because we talked about and, uh, and we, and we express a lot of the truth from scripture. But if there's anyone out there that is needing 
a, a an actual Bible verse that goes against the the teaching and the false belief that we are just old sinners saved by grace, then there's there's one scripture that uh, I just want to give you with, and that's the scripture that says, "We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus." Amen. And so, if you are needing to know an actual Bible verse that you can stand on, that's it. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. So, from that scripture, I can definitely say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And so, I want to leave that with your listeners to know that if you are in Christ, then you are the righteousness of God. You are in right standing with Him. You are not a sinner. You're not an old sinner. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You were a sinner, and you've been saved by grace, and now you've been made righteous. And that's all i got to say about that. <laughs> Amen. Well, that was good, Tom. I appreciate that. That is a perfect bow on this episode, man. So I appreciate that. And um, real quick before we head out, uh, is there a website or area where people could reach you? Or um, if you don't want to be reached, that's fine as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it, uh, no, I don't have a website or anything, but uh, I, I'm on social media. So you can find me on Facebook and uh, um, I'm also on Instagram. And uh, Instagram, it's uh, 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 Tom. Henderson official and then on uh, um, Facebook it's just Tom Henderson just look for me I'm the I'll, I'll say I'm the most handsome guy on there you know <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding no, uh, but if anybody wants to reach out to me they're more than welcome and uh, uh, my phone number if anybody needs prayer I'm, I'm always willing to stand in agreement with you uh, 817 964 one one seven nine, and uh, give me a call, and and uh, just nothing after. Uh, I would say nothing after nine o'clock uh, uh, um, Central Time, because um, I need my beauty sleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, us ministers need our beauty sleep. So, <laughs> what? Well, I- I appreciate it, Tom. It's been real fun, and I've really enjoyed this. I'd love to have you again for a round two, man, and we can uh, maybe spend even more time on on this subject and uh, chase more rabbits. What do you think? Absolutely. You know, this is one of my two favorite subjects, identity, and the other one is my other passion is talking about uh, the the last days, the the, uh, end times. Yeah. And there's there's so much... um, to go over in the word of god it's 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 a blast i love it cool all right tom well i appreciate it sir and uh for all you listeners hope you enjoyed this god bless and we'll catch you again on the next episode and uh show some love to tom on social media there and just remember if the sun sets you free you are free indeed amen